What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Create Great Podcast, where I, Mitch Stengel, and my great friend and business partner, Jerry Twingy, will be discussing business, leadership, and everything in between, all the while interviewing people who are strong in these roles. Thank you so much for joining us today, and now let's get to it. Hey everyone, we are back with episode two of the Create Great Podcast. Today you have your hosts, Mitch Stengel and Jerry Twingy, joined by our very special guest, Tyler Lafferty. Tyler is an extremely well-established and ambitious entrepreneur. Tyler is one of the great minds behind the Union Spin Studios, Method Juice Cafe, Good Oats, Passenger Pets, Access to Experience, Strategy Lab, 7-2, and 14-4. Tyler formerly worked at White Runkle Associates Advertising Agency before starting 7-2. 7-2 is a digital advertising company which provides digital and web-based design services for big companies such as Nickelodeon, MTV, Nintendo, and Toyota, just to name a few. Starting 7-2 back in 2004 with his business partner, Nick Murto, they have seen exponential growth throughout the years. Strategy Labs is similar to 7-2 in the way that it deals with marketing strategy as well, offering companies creative, digital, and unique marketing strategies to set them apart. Tyler is also the 2019 winner of the Inlanders, is it Perowin? Peroni. Peroni. Yeah, I know, right? Peroni Prize for his enlightening philanthropy work. Tyler likes to promote fitness within his company culture by incorporating a full-size gym into their office building. Within this busy life of serial entrepreneurship, Tyler is also writing a book titled Be More Like You. This book is a perspective guide for young adults about uncovering their own unique skills in order to find happiness, fulfillment, and purpose in work and life, which is perfect for Jerry and I and most listening to our podcast. Now, first off, we want to thank you, Tyler, so much for joining us. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you. Heck yeah, of course. First off, we want to say, how old were you when you started 7-2? Good question. I believe I was 29. So I'd okay. already been kind of in the working world a little bit. Um, I finished college. I was about 22. So, um, you know, I'd worked for a few different people and understood kind of what it was like to work in the corporate world. I had done a few entrepreneurial things on the side myself, right. you know, kind of a side hustle. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, once I kind of figured out what and direction I wanted to go and kind of and what that looked like. Uh, Nick and I decided, hey, this is time. Let's let's do our own thing. Right. And when did you meet Nick? Then? So Nick and I knew each other professionally, um, kind of in the industry, kind of up until before I was 29. We had known each other. He had worked at uh, at White Runkle, this agency that, that we ultimately became both were at. Uh, he had worked there a long time. I kind of just knew him. We got together once, a, I don't know, once a year, twice a year, talk about the industry, what was right, going right. on. And we were just kind of two dudes that kind of vibed together and were like, okay, like, we could be partners, and and even before, like even before we ultimately decided we could be partners, um, we said, hey, why don't we work together at this other place at White Runkle and see kind of how this goes. And so we got a chance to kind of be together and like, okay, what are you good at? What am I good at? How could we complement one another? And for me, that was huge from a partnership standpoint, which right, I'm a right. big fan of partnerships. People were like, wait. You're going to go into a 50-50 partnership? You're nuts. <laughs> like, what What happens when you have to make a decision and somebody feels one way and the other, you know? Right. And truth be told, I think, like, my answer to that is if you truly respect the person that you're going in with uh, to do a partnership and you, you will to collectively come to good ideas and you have to humble yourself at times and be like, hey, you know what? That Your idea is right. better than mine. Right. Like, you're right and I'm wrong and I'm cool with that. And 
I think Nick and I have done that a lot over the years and have kind of been able to figure that out along with some of the other partners that we work with. And so I personally really love the partnership model. You know, I, I think it would have been tough to be a sole entrepreneur and, done, you know, completely start and do my own thing. Like, 100%. I don't think I'd be nearly as successful as I am today if it wasn't for the great ideas of my partners and, and stuff that they've done. So Right. Yeah, no, no that's awesome. And then yeah. so what exactly did you guys do at White Runkle then? What was that? Yeah, so White Runkle was a, what would be considered a full-service advertising agency. So okay. TV, print, radio. Uh, and they did interactive as well, so web stuff. And Nick and I were, he ran the interactive department. I worked in his department for a while, and then I kind of ran what was called the client services department. Uh, and then, but he and I were just passionate about web, right? And I'm right, a huge yeah. fan of like, you got to go after, and you're going to pour into what you're truly passionate about. And so when we thought about that, we were like, well... I don't know if I'm really into TV and, and, and print and radio, but like web is where it's at. It's really what, you know, and this was, gosh, what year was that? 2004 ultimately when we yeah, started. Yeah. So it was still relatively in the early stages of kind of the internet and what was going on. Um, and so for us, it was just like pouring into what we were truly passionate about yeah. and then piling on kind of our entrepreneurship on top of that to like, hey, we got to give this a shot. Yeah, yeah, I keep going everywhere. Okay, I get it. Um, and then where did the name 72 come from? <laughs> Uh, you know, it was funny, like, believe it or not, way back in the day, it was really hard to get like a, a web address that, that you wanted or, you know, for right, the name right. of your company. And we had had a couple that we thought were cool. And then like somebody else already had that or whatnot. And so the, the, we thought we would do like a name plus like a number modifier, like, oh, it'll be easy to get a web address, you know, whatever.com with a number modifier. And we were like, well, what number really like is about us? Well, 72 back in the day was 72 dots per inch was a resolution of an old computer screen oh, okay so it's like we're kind of old school now but like 72 dpi and so um and then we just as we talked about it we're like well, why don't we just stick to that so, yeah. so seven the word spelled out the number two uh and then you know we were able to do that so no that's cool i like yeah. it okay and then so would you say the start of seven two was you guys were at White Runkle and you're just like digital like that's the way and like we could do that so you just kind of yeah off. I mean I, I entrepreneurship I think for both of us uh, had always been in our blood we had always kind of done some of our own things Nick had had some side hustles early on right. and things he had done he started like a jet ski rental company no like, way. Yeah, way back when <laughs> like sweet. yeah uh, you know I had done a, a, a couple of different marketing companies like again very small kind of on the side I, I even I did one alone I did one with a partner um, so that was kind of always in the back of my head like I knew that I wanted I so I, from very early on I always knew that I was either gonna be the CEO of somebody's company right or, or run my own. Okay. And uh, and so to me, like that was just ingrained in who I was. And so I think when Nick and I kind of got together, started working together, and we were like, man, we're kind of compatible. Like this is legit. Right. Like, um, And then working for somebody else was not going to really satisfy us. Yeah, yeah. And so course. we're like, well, what if we did, being that we're both passionate about digital, what if we just focused on that, created an agency around just that? And so that's where really the, the idea came from. It was like, hey, well, what would this look like? So of course... We went and, and created a business plan, really figured out what that looked like. Um, for every venture that we've done, we've done what we call pro forma financials. So like, okay, okay what's it going to take financially to make this thing happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'd need this much revenue because we're going to have this much expenses. And so, mm -hmm. right, we kind of outlay what, you know, what that totally looks like. Um, and then for us, that really kind of set, okay, we've got a bit of a roadmap here. We, and, you know, and, and I, I think people always ask, like, you know, we've had, you know, really uh, some great successes. Uh, you mentioned you know, a lot of the clients we work with, big national brands. Yeah. And people are like, well, like, 
you know, are you surprised that you've, you know, had this much success and hired this many people and started this many companies? And, you know, and I think maybe about the companies was a little surprising. I didn't know we would like do this much different stuff, but particular about 7-2, kind of our first digital agency, um, we set the bar really high. Right, like, like, yeah. like, like in our minds, what we wanted to do, and we were like, okay, we are going to try to create this, yeah, right? Yeah. So if we had said, okay, we're just going to try to like, let's just get <laughs> barely get out there, just see if we can maybe sort of do that. Like, I don't know. We probably would have just done that and been like, all right, what's next? Like, yeah. But we like set this bar incredibly high. Let's work with big national clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's build a big company. I don't think, I mean, our company at, at its height was like 55 people. Uh, we're not there right now. We're, we're smaller than that. And I kind of like the size we're at now. We're about 35 people now. But like we never thought we'd go maybe that big per se. Yeah. But we knew like, all right, we're going to let's let's build a lot of great people around us um, that, you know, and a truly that's how we've grown is really talented people. I think Nick and I have um, uh, we're pretty good at finding really smart talented people to surround you know we'll create the vision but get the people to do you know amazing work around us right and so we that we really set that bar super high and then we're able to bring all those people around and and they're the ones that really over time i mean you can't look at this and go oh nick and tyler have been so successful you got all these those people people have been really successful right right? so we've kind of I've always thought that we, our job was to build this environment where those people could thrive, mm-hmm. and that would we would all, you know, rise up and do good things together, and that was kind of what Nick and I were all about building. Right, right. No, that's awesome. And so, then, yeah, you got to. So, do. among all that success that you guys had and that building that company, were you ever discouraged, or was there a time that you felt like kind of quitting or almost giving well, up? Well, uh, yeah, Jerry, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> I remember sitting in our office. We had this small office, and it was, I mean, 300 square feet, if that. I mean, this bedroom is probably bigger than that. Your your studio is definitely bigger than ours. (laughs) Uh, And so we were, like, sitting there, right? And we're, um, there's, there's, Nick is in one office, and I'm in another. There's these two offices, and there was kind of this bullpen area. And I remember vividly, like, that we had a couple employees in the thing. And we were probably six months in, eight months in. But I remember like like having no idea where, where the next project was coming from. Right. Like, yeah. What were we gonna do next? What like and that freaked me out. Like I and and uh-huh. and you know like what and and truth be told, there's been plenty of times over the last sixteen years that have been just like that, where I'm just kind of freaked out. Like, yeah, like uh, what's next? I don't know. Like <laughs> what's you know and like yes, we've gotten kind of a flywheel going and we've been able to you know build momentum and that's helped tremendously. But there were times, particularly in the early days, where I'm like, I have no idea, and that yeah. was scary, right? We had we had a sure, couple, yeah. couple employees, you know, and we're on the hook for you know trying to pay them and keep the you know, the vitality of their families, right? So as a as a as an employer, as you're 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 doing everything you possibly can, and there's a lot of doubt that creeps in, right? Like, yeah. can I do this? You know, and then you just have to get kind of innovative and figure out, okay, what do we need to do next? Who do I need to call? What kind of networking do I need to do? What What's it going to take? And, and I'm a big fan of if you can create good energy and you just keep kind of hustling and, and, and you're going to you're gonna create momentum. It's yeah. going to happen, yeah. right? So you kind of have to believe in that process on some level because if you don't, you might just give up and be like, I don't know what's going to happen. But we really kind of lived into that and, and kind of pushed forward and we're lucky enough that some good things did then, you know, out of that momentum, out of that energy, some good things happened and we kind of picked back up. And, and I think a lot of people want to believe that like, Oh, right. Like you just create this, this momentum. And then, and then you're just like, Oh, life's good. Like that's definitely not the case, right? right? Like you're an entrepreneur, you're hustling, hustling, hustling all the time. 
And uh, I think a lot of people want to believe that you kind of make it. Oh, you've made it. Like, yeah, there's a moment or Man, something. Man, we're like hustling that. today. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah. all the time to keep, you know, that like level high, it's tough. It's really tough. So, dude, I mean, that, yes, that comes in all the time. Yeah. Even to this day, 16 years in, multiple companies, I still have times where I'm like scratching my head going, man, what can we do better? You know, it, it, I don't know. It's just always a tough deal. Yeah, for I, sure. So, uh, it's. I think it's a constant battle. Um, you know, having some. I joke that like ego is a big deal, like in a good way. Like if you can have some ego that can like help you move in the right direction, right. like believe in yourself that yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. can do this. You know, and then honestly, just a little bit of arrogance to believe like that you can. Like, man, I can figure this yeah. one out. Like, I can do this. And, like, so yeah, ego and arrogance. I always joke that I'm gonna start a podcast someday about entrepreneurship called Ego and Arrogance. It's just like you kind of <laughs> need it. some of those right. things to like you know like kind of push you in that direction and, and not in a bad way. I think those words can be looked at kind of negatively, but like in a good way of like, okay, you kind of need those a little bit. And honestly, even a little bit of ignorance, like, I don't know, I can figure this out. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you just kind of, I'll, I'll find a way, like, right? And I think like that pushes you forward to do it. So I've just kind of always leaned into that during those times and like, all right, I gotta I gotta figure this out. Yeah. Or not even I, I say I, that's not even the right word. <laughs> it's definitely not I. It, it, and that's why I do, I do love the partnership thing is it's not just what I'm gonna figure out, but like, putting that burden on my partners and be like, hey, how are we collectively going to figure this out, right? And and those guys have have had over the years, you know, amazing ideas that have really, you know, what if we did this? Who if we called this person? What if we, you know, and leaning, that's why I like to lean on partners, right? Yeah. So it's not all on your shoulders. It's definitely not been on all my shoulders over these years. I've had really fantastic yeah, partners. Yeah, definitely. And then like leaning on the ego thing, I was listening to the, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast the other day and he had Mike Tyson on it. <laughs> And he was talking about like when he was back fighting and you you kind of have to have the ego to be the confidence like you know you're going to win the fight. And then when he retired, he didn't want to ever like awaken his ego. So he stopped exercising and stuff like that because he knew it would just like awaken the beast just in fire him. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, one day he was like, I'm just not liking my body. And his wife told him, she was like, yeah, just get on the, the treadmill for 15 minutes a day. And he was like, pretty quickly that turned to two hours a day. And he's like, now I have a fight in November. <laughs> so you're yeah. waking the beast and like that's, it just that's what gets you going, I yeah. think. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I like that. And then, so when you and Nick started 7-2, was it like a, like a movie thing? Like you quit your job and like, we're just going to do this on our own? Or like, did you have people with you? How'd that work? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it kind of was like, we ultimately quit our job. We, again, we had done the planning up to that point, right? Like in the evenings and, you know, late at night, we were working on our business plans because we had our day jobs and stuff like that. We were trying to figure that out. And then there, we had to kind of draw a line in the sand and be like, all right, we got to kind of do this, right? We didn't want to, you know, being that we were on some level creating a competing agency, even though we were very different, uh, we knew we, we didn't want to like start that while we were already at this other place. So we finally like drew a line in the sand, quit our jobs. And then, um, and at first it was just Nick and I, right? And, and, and though Nick has some design background, um, neither of us were programmers. Neither of us were actually great designers. We were just kind of two business guys right. that, again, were trying to build this this, this um, environment where we could let other people thrive. We knew that we could do the front-end business development and kind of make that happen, which was really probably one of our best things we could do. Um, and so we did, right? So when we quit our jobs. Uh, we told our, the, the people that we were working with that we were doing our own thing. Uh, went off and started this. And then um, as we started to land some work and kind of work our networks, people we knew, and tell them, hey, we, you know, we, we started our own shop and people started to get a little bit interested. And because of the relationships we had had and our reputations over the years, people were like, oh, you guys started your own thing? Okay, cool. I want to hear about that. I want right. to you know, potentially work with you. Let's talk about that. And so we were fortunate enough to win a really big 
project with AT&T. Okay. So we had known AT&T. We had known people there. And when we ultimately started our own thing, we had a couple people come to us and say, hey, you guys started your thing? We're like, yeah. And they're like, hey, we, we should talk about something. We were looking for like a young you know, agency to start up to do something like this for us. And That's awesome. Uh, we were yeah right so we're lucky enough that we had a bit of a reputation there to, to work with these people and and they trusted us and then that allowed us to hire uh, a couple people right yeah. so we needed a developer we needed some more designers and that actually helped us get going so that was kind of the the start uh, it really the the major impetus to to get seven two going was this big project from from AT and T AT and T that kind of got yeah. it off yeah how did uh, how did you build that reputation and get those connections with big companies like AT and T yeah. and such like that well we were fortunate the 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 company that we had worked with before had had done work with them. Okay. And so, and we respected that. We, you know, that, that's a big deal. Like that was their relationship. But when we kind of left and started on our own, um, you know, AT and T knew us, and 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 they knew Nick and I, and they liked us. And not that to say they didn't like the other company as well. And they were still actually doing tons of work with them. But there was a, just a small group of people that were like, oh, hey, we're not really looking for what they offer, but what you guys and just you know a pure digital shop, we'd we'd want to talk to you. And so I think because they knew us, um, trusted us, liked us. Uh, believed that hey we were we were the right ones for them yeah. so you know networking has always been a really big deal and and you when you get out there and network you're you're kind of using your own reputation your own attitudes your you know that's you're building you know kind of who you are and what you're about and and that's what people buy into right right so so in the early days seven two itself didn't really have your reputation but just Nick and Tyler did mm-hmm. so they're like okay well. What does this look like to you know trust Nick and Tyler? Like, okay, I believe in those guys. They're gonna deliver. You know, because you think about the work we're doing. If AT and T is, we're doing. So we launched a, a big website for them. It was a new product that was coming out, and they're basically you know these marketing managers. Then the, you know this big company is saying, hey, we're trusting you to to, to launch this website right, with yeah. this thing. You know, so they're it's they're putting their job on the line a little bit to to trust you to say, hey, you're gonna do it, right? So. You know your reputation and for delivering and putting out a good product and is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So you know we were lucky. I think there was a lot of trust there. That 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 probably too much. They probably yeah, they probably over trusted us. <laughs> we're two dudes like I don't know. We'll figure this out. <laughs> yeah. um, which is a little bit of entrepreneurship too, right? Like I don't know. We'll figure this out. Yeah. Um, and so we were fortunate. They they, they really did kind of the, they believed in us and and then from there, you know, being that we were lucky enough to have those relationships to do that. It was it was our relationship with AT and T. We were we were putting some ads um, for this new product they were launching for them. We were we were actually developing and then putting them on MTV. MTV. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So we met people at MTV who, as we were doing this AT and T work, and um, so I made a point just to like keep up with this gal who worked at MTV. She was kind of our contact there, and so. You know, I made sure she understood who Seven Two was, what you know, kind of stuff. I think she liked the stuff we did at AT and T or for them, but she was like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." But I kind of just kept the relationship up with her. So, like once a month, I'd, I'd send her a note, whether an email, or give her a call. She was in New York, and I would just you know, kind of stay in contact with her again, trying to network, trying to grow that. Yeah. And it was about six months in where she was like, hey, Tyler, actually, uh, yeah, we have something for you guys. And they wanted us to start to develop ads for other brands. I think it was like Sprite and Dentine Gum and like Doritos, but on ads that ran on MTV.com. And so... We are like, yeah, of course. Yeah. And so that built relationship with MTV, which then in turn, uh, they're within the Viacom family, uh, which is a huge entertainment company that owns Nickelodeon and um, 
CMT and all those kind of a bunch of those those media brands. And so that that ended up we ended up getting work with MTVU, which was the college division of MTV. Then we actually branched out into Nickelodeon. Uh, and started to get some other work within some of those other, and, and then that just kind of like like it kind of kept snowball. going, yeah, yeah snowball yeah. for us, which was huge, right, and super fortunate, right. But you're you're living off of your rep again back to the reputation of well, how did you do on those projects? Mm -hmm. If we would have failed and delivered, and, or, or or didn't deliver on time, and it was just you know didn't do what we were said we were going to do, then that would have never gone anywhere, yeah, yeah, right? right. So we had to deliver on that build that relationship with them, build that confidence with them where they actually wanted to say, when somebody asked them, like, hey, we need a web developer for this new thing we're doing, like, oh, these guys 7-2, you should talk with them. They didn't care we were in Spokane, Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Not yeah. at all, right? So, and, you know, at the same time then, Nick and I had to hustle and make sure we were in New York, we were seeing those people face-to-face, -face, building a relationship right, with them, yeah, right? Yeah, that yeah, was huge. That was really a big deal. We could have just said, oh, no, we're just going to try to do it from Spokane, but we're like, ah, dude, we got to get on a plane. Like, yeah. let's go, let's actually build those relationships. And so, and then we found out there were a couple of guys within the Viacom kind of family of businesses who were like in charge of all the outsourcing. So finding agencies to work with the different, you know, brands within. And so we made good friends with those guys, right? And yeah. so we grabbed coffees with those guys and lunches and just hung out. And they're like, oh, you know, those are good dudes. Like, I like what they're building. They did a good job over here for MTV. They did a good job for Nickelodeon. Maybe they could help, you know, whoever, over, you know, one of their other brands over here. And, and that's how we kind of grew that business. And so that's, that was... 15 and a half years ago and we still do work with the MTV family awesome. today. Yeah, so we yeah. still do a ton of MTV work and things like that. But because of those relationships we built way back when. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it's like, you see a big company would see like, oh, AT&T trusted these guys. Like we can trust these guys. Totally. That's exactly it. So I tell a lot of young entrepreneurs like, hey, do whatever you possibly can to potentially get a project with a big brand. Mm -hmm. Because exactly what you said, Mitch, is 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 if they say, they look at that and be like, oh, well, if they trusted you, I can trust you. So, right, so you might, you know, cut your fee down a little bit or do whatever you can to get that job, you know, bust your butt to work, you know, late nights and all that to just deliver and make that happen for this, you know, for this big brand so that then people do look at that and, and, and it can it, it works tremendously, right? Yeah, it's sure. a vote of confidence that, oh, well, gosh, if, if they trust you, I, I can trust you. And, and I, that, that has held true to today. So yeah, that's a really yeah, big definitely. deal. Yeah, I like that. And then so today, are you still reaching out to potential clients? Like when you go, how do you go about that? Yeah, so business development is still a big deal. We're not, you know, I honestly believed at one point like, oh, cold calling. I'm going to cold call this, you know, these people and they're going to want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, like, sure nobody wants a cold call, right? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, we use our networks. We, um, we've gotten to know so many people over the years that people go to a new company and, 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 and they'll call us and say, hey, you know, we worked together at Amazon. I love what you did for us at Amazon. And now I'm at this company. Could you guys come in and maybe do a capabilities presentation? I want to introduce you to some other people. Yeah, awesome. And so that still happens a lot okay. where uh, because our, again, reputation and who knows us, they'll bring us into a new company. And that's a, where a lot of work comes from. So people who leave and go somewhere else, uh, that's typical for whether it's 7214 Strategy Labs, any of our companies, that's very typical that somebody, again, appreciated us and wants to work with us again right right yeah. so that 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 um so business development yeah does happen quite a bit uh the guys at, at 14.4 um they're constantly hustling they work really really hard to bring in they so 
So I might as well explain this. Seven to yeah, digital awesome. creative agency, websites, online ads, um, online games, uh, video, that kind of stuff. A lot of social content. That's what Seven Two does. Fourteen Four does a lot of the same thing, but about three years into creating Seven Two, we recognized that there were traditional ad agencies, kind of like the one I mentioned before, or White Runkle. There were traditional ad agencies who actually didn't have a web development department, so they were maybe freelancing a, a web designer or a web developer. Okay. They're trying to get like projects done for clients, but they didn't really. It was they were kind of uh, cobbling it together, and it wasn't really an easy process for them. Well, we recognized that at 7.2 and we we're like, well, what if we actually went alongside these ad agencies and just, you know, again, made friends, introduced ourselves, built relationships and said, hey, we can help you. If you're doing a campaign for, you know, for a client, um, let us come along. You know, you're doing the TV, the print, the radio, but you actually have an idea for a website. If you need someone to help you design and develop it, like let us come along and do that. Right. And so we started to build those relationships and then we basically carved that business out of 7.2 and and we hired a guy named Jeff Oswald, uh, who runs it today. He's brilliant and does an amazing job. He um, he actually then started building relationships with ad agencies all over the country. Oh, okay. And just and then said, hey, we can come along and help you and be kind of your you know web horsepower to do your websites and do your online ads and that kind of stuff. And then that's they've just grown tremendously. And even today they, they do that, but then they also do a lot of direct. They've grown their direct work as well. They're working with with Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook, like doing work for them directly, uh, which is super cool. Yeah, so they're doing crazy. a lot of direct direct work as well. So um, that's kind of the difference between the two companies. And Nick and I, a lot of people are like, why didn't you just keep it under seven two? Right, right, yeah. Um, and we thought there was value in diversifying as entrepreneurs. We kind of wanted to have a few different things going. Yeah. And so we wanted to create another company. Jeff was a brilliant guy to bring into that. He had a great sales mind and we knew that he could help grow that. So we were kind of, and we wanted to be able to tell a little bit different story uh, with 14.4. So that's kind of what we, why we, okay. we did that. right. And then the name for 144 is that just double in 72. <laughs> we we were like this name's horrible. 72 <laughs> yeah. is the dumbest name ever. And so we're like we're never using a name like that again. <laughs> so we we like had this totally different name and it was I think it was Motive Interactive, M O T I V and we're like oh that's cool. That's, yeah. a, that's a good name. No E, that's sweet. No E, super cool, right? <laughs> and sure enough there was a company. We didn't do like a large enough broad enough search in the United States and we got like a cease and desist letter from oh, this company. No, yeah, yeah and it was like hey uh, yeah, we don't want you using that name. You're confusing our customers. We're like, "Oh, that's yeah. not cool." So then we were like, "Really? Does the name matter? It's about the relationships we build and all right. of that." So for us, uh, and and for what we just we doubled seven two as a sister company of seven two so that's what fourteen okay yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we're Keep brilliant with naming Figured right that. yeah really. <laughs> that's funny um, how long from the time you started the business how long did it take to get cash flow that's a great question so just to kind of to explain that a little bit more um, so Nick and I got second mortgages on our house you can get a what's called a, a home equity line of credit so you have equity in your house. Um, the bank will loan you money against that. So, right, we took this big risk to like, Ooh, like right, okay, right. let's it's like get, take some of this money out of our house to start this company. So, and that that money that we used bought computers, paid initial salaries for our people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were really lucky that like Nick and, Nick and I didn't get paid anything for like three or four months, which really isn't that long. 
um, believe it or not. Like, but within three or four months, we got a big project with AT&T. We started to get a few more. And then we were actually starting to get money coming through. And at the same time, we built an amazing relationship with a banker. Uh, a guy named TJ Brill, who is our banker today. Um, and he's kind of, it's fun. He's actually, we've seen him grow in his career. And he's like the market president, actually, oh, at cool. First Interstate Bank yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> Uh, but he's still our banker today, and uh, he's just an amazing guy. And he believed in us and was like, hey, listen, I'll give you a line of credit based on your receivables. So if, if AT&T is giving you a $50,000 uh, invoice, uh, I will give you 80% of that, you know, because I know that you're going to get paid by right, someone yeah, like AT&T. Yeah. And so we were able to kind of leverage that to get kind of cash flow going from that. And that, you know, cash flow, right, is the absolute lifeblood of your company. You have to know where the cash is to pay your expenses to keep kind of that flywheel going. So not only was it from these clients that were happening, but, you know, our relationships with the bank, the, the, the initial capital that we doing, put in yeah. that, you know, that helped do it. So we were lucky within three to four months, we were actually kind of been able to get that, you know. But again, there was times where I'm like... Six months in, seven months in, eight months in, and I'm like looking around, like, like where's cash flow? What's this look like? How do you know? Do we yeah, have enough yeah. you know, stuff? And yeah. that's any business is constantly ensuring that they're on top of their cash flow, and that's that's why you're hustling because you want to make sure you're keeping that that going to to, to get it in because you got to pay you know your employees and all that kind of stuff, and that's it's a it's a scary place to be, and you know usually the entrepreneurs are the last ones to get paid just to ensure that, hey, we got to keep this thing going. Yeah, so yeah. Nick and I were always very diligent about, okay, whatever we had to do to make that happen. And yeah, so we were fortunate. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. All right, and then right now, where does the cash flow come from? Is it just like, you're like, you tell the companies, we're going to do this ad for you and they'll pay you for it. Right, so so kind of the way we like work that. is, um, so we have payment terms with any, with any client. So um, let's say it's Amazon. We work with uh, Amazon Web Services, their AWS, their cloud computing group. And we'll create a ton of videos for them, and we'll be, we'll create projects. And let's say it's a twenty thousand dollar video or something like that. And then we'll do an invoice to them, right? And usually we bill first half, second half. So we'll bill like ten thousand okay. dollars the first half, let's say. Uh, and then they'll 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 usually pay within thirty days, which is that's great. That's yeah, super. That's awesome. Some clients don't pay for ninety days. Jeez. Ninety days, yeah, right? That's ridiculous. You, so think about that. You have. You have to pay your employees every two weeks. Mm -hmm. You have to pay your rent. Yeah. You have to pay, you know, your benefits, all that kind of stuff. And so that's again where you—it's good to have a good relationship with a bank, so you can make sure you have that cash flow coming in. Um, so, so payments come in anywhere between thirty and ninety days um, that your, you know, payments coming from clients. So the goal, right, days. is to ensure that you have enough work, enough invoices going out that you constantly have that cash flow yeah, coming yeah. in on a regular basis. That makes yeah. sense. But you have to be super conscious of that. What I see typically, and it happens sadly with a lot of people, is you get someone who starts a business and they're really good at the one thing, right? Like they're an engineer and they just know engineering really good, so they're they're working on projects, but they're not thinking of the business side. They're not thinking of like, well, yeah yeah, where is the cash flow coming? How am I making this happen? Right, so yeah, you got to, yeah. like entrepreneurs have to be kind of well-rounded in the sense of, yeah, you got to really do and, and have a good product offering of what you're doing, but then you have to think about the larger administrative business side of it to ensure that you kind of keep this machine rolling. Yeah, and that so makes sense. That's incredibly important. Gotcha, okay. All right. Are there any specific habits you have built that you think have helped you to get to where you are today? Like any little things... Making yeah. your bed every morning, something like that. I know. I, I, I believe in a lot of those. I'm, yeah, my right. bed's a total mess right now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do believe in the right. The, 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 like even that one, like the reason behind it is you just complete something. And you, yep. and you get into this kind of habit of completing things, which again, getting things done is incredibly important to what we do to, 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 to move forward. Um, 
I, again, mine starts with a really positive mindset, like the whole growth mindset versus fixed mindset. I've always believed in that. Um, I'm a huge believer in the growth mindset. And I'm a, I've always been an optimist. You know, I've always believed that I'll find a way to make this work. Um, so I'm, I'm super positive. I've always just, you know, I think that's a really important thing to approach anything. And people want to be around positive people, oh, right? Whether 100%. it's my clients, whether it's my employees, uh, you know, my partner. Like, if I was just a drag all the time, I think my partner would be like, well, you guys, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't want to be around you. Uh, I mean, and that's not to say I'm positive 100% of the time, right? Like, of we're, course, we're all yeah. humans. But yeah. I think starting with a positive mindset, a growth mindset has, has been really, really good. Like I said, when we started, like, you know, really having a high bar for myself and for, for my, my company and for, for even for my partners. Like, I have a high bar for them, what I expect of them and all of that. And I think when you set that high bar, that's incredibly, incredibly necessary and important because more than likely you will achieve whatever you set out to do. I really believe that. So if you set out to be mediocre, you're going to be yeah, mediocre. Yeah, yeah, right. Good for you. But like if you head. say, hey, you know what? I believe in myself. I'm going to set this really high. That's been really uh, big for me. I've always been um, a, a student of like business books and stuff like that. I think there's value in understanding what kind of other people have learned along the way. Uh, and if, again, growth mindset is that if you're if you, you – Dare I say that I've got it all figured out? That's crazy, right? Like, there's so many smarter people that are going to help me kind of know what to do and where to go and what that looks like. And so, I've been really, really particular about, um, or not particular, uh, uh, I try to make sure I'm reading like a business book, you know, at any given time. Yeah. uh, Just because, and then more than anything, I find great inspiration in business books. So, you know, and, and now, like, I probably listen to more podcasts than I do even business books just to get inspiration so stuff like what you guys are doing right now i think is awesome because you get inspired by somebody else and then hopefully you kind of somehow see yourself in that a little bit or i can do that or i I believe in that's you know and so that's incredibly important and you know that's been a a pretty good habit of mine and so i'm a i'm a huge fan of just learning right there's more to learn and 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 figure figure things out and i hope that i can carry that through um you know i have my own morning routines you know i get a little quiet time in the morning um I try to, you know, meditate when I can. I think there's huge value in meditation about you just singular focus. Um, so I've learned that over the last few years of, um, you know, uh, doing stuff like an app on my phone. I use the Calm app. I think there's oh, huge, yeah, yeah. huge value in that. I, I, I believe in meditation. Um, I don't know. There's probably a million other habits or whatever, you yeah, know, right, yeah. that I've done that I'm not even aware of. They're right, like, oh, right. yeah, I do that on a regular basis that, that you know, that have worked. I think, you know, just you have to remember that you're not in this alone, right? 100%. So I'd say on some level, um, having a habit of, of checking in with people and, you know, finding out how they're doing. I mean, especially from a management standpoint, you know, at the end of the day, I guess I'm a manager, right? I manage um, my partner and I, my partners, and I manage a number of people. It's our job to check in with them. How are they doing? How are they feeling? We're, you know, building the culture. And so, you know, um, I want to believe that I I have a regular practice of just ensuring that that's going well, taking the temperature of how the the company's doing. That's the lifeblood of what we're doing and moving forward. I think good entrepreneur is recognizes that. You know, you know, a bad entrepreneur solely focuses on the product or the service and doesn't really think about the rest of the people and that kind of stuff or those other administrative, you know, operational things that I talked about. Uh, they just focus on the pr- the product and then you can really just fail because you can't, you know, you're not, you're not checking in with your people. And yeah. I think it's really important to ensure that the people are, there's a practice that we've gotten into with all of our business um, that I, I believe in wholeheartedly, which is kind of um, 
a practice of appreciation, appreciating one another. Okay. So we build into our businesses this huge um, idea of uh, appreciation within our teams is incredibly important. Whether that's, I think it's incredibly important to appreciate your employees and let them know that you appreciate them, right? You, you want to hear from your boss that your boss knows you're doing a good job and that's, that's a big deal. Always, yeah. The other thing though is to recognize when it's teammate to teammate and you know we kind of created a platform for allowing employees to appreciate one another we call them you know shout outs and super shout outs but the idea where it feels really good to know that your teammates understand the value you're bringing to the yeah, table and recognizing, and, and, and recognizing you and so that feels really really good and i think when companies start to you know build a practice of appreciation around each other and around the work that they're doing uh, that can just bolster the whole company and, and, and it's been amazing to see what that's done for us it's beautiful i love it yeah that's awesome and then speaking of like your company culture you, you guys incorporate a lot of fitness into there right yeah, we do. We do, and I think it starts with Nick and I, um, and, and and Jeff, and even Ramsey, like at Strategy Lab. We we all care about fitness. We all believe it's like you know innately good for you as a human being, mm-hmm. and so we want to share that with our employees. So we were you know a few years into seven two, and we were like. What would it be like if we actually bought running shoes for every employee? Like every oh, new cool. employee yeah, yeah. got a new pair of running shoes. And we kind of set this ideal of like, hey, fitness matters. Take care of yourself. It's important. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, you just want healthy employees. You, know, you yeah. just yeah. work harder. Right, right. And, and really it's not about that at all. It's about we do believe in and care about these people as human beings. And we want them to be healthy, happy humans. And so, you know, starting with a pair of shoes, it kind of lets them know, like, hey, you're valued, you're important, we want, you know, take these shoes. And then, you know, you mentioned, yeah, we have a full gym in our basement, we invested in that, and just, you know, we wanted awesome. to give people space to be able to go down and work out, you know, whether that's before work, at lunch, after work, but we wanted to give them something where they could really do that and get into that and be a part of um, fitness. And so, you know, I've heard people say, like, I work out way more than I ever would have because it's kind of ingrained in the culture at 17. Yeah, that's awesome. You know? right. I love that. I think that's I think that's incredibly important uh, for people to understand and, and to know. And hopefully they do, you know, take it for themselves and, and, and build a practice, you know, of taking care of themselves that way. And so, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big deal to us. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. awesome. And then switching, kind of switching gears, what is Access to Experience and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, so I've always been a big fan of getting the, quote, real world into the classroom, right? So mm-hmm. getting more professionals, whether it's speaking in classrooms to kids, um, whether that's uh, getting a professional to work with a teacher to for that teacher to better understand, you know, kind of what's going on in the real world so that they can kind of put that into their curriculum, and so I've always had a partnership with education, um, different teachers, particularly I'm, I'm a product of the Mead School District in Spokane. Um, so I've worked a lot with, with teachers at Mead, but let alone uh, a lot of other ones in Spokane as well, a lot of other school districts. And just trying to, you know, I, I was a guest speaker a lot and those kind of things. And so I would speak in these classrooms and then these teachers would be like, oh, Tyler, that was super awesome. Thank you. Can you help me get other people you know? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm like, you know, calling friends and like, hey, you know, trying to figure out, can you, would you speak in this entrepreneurship class? Would you speak in this engineering class? And trying to get people I knew in town and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so we said, hey, well, we're a web development company. Why don't we build a web platform that enables uh, professionals to sign up, have an account, uh, put on all of their details about who they are and what they're about, basically use their LinkedIn profile that they can link and put it on there. And then um, for teachers to also have an account to be able to do that. And then teachers can go on there and search and say, hey, I would like um, uh, an architect to come speak in my classroom. 
architects. Oh, here's seven architects, and talk about what she does, what he does, and then you can inv- invite them and right. create a That's relationship perfect. there. Yeah, so yeah. my goal with starting Access to Experience was really about trying to get more professionals connected with uh, education and, and, and get them into classrooms or building those relationships with teachers to try to help teachers, you know, you know, kind of better understand the real world and also to kind of motivate and inspire kids of what kind of jobs were out there and what yeah, they wanted exactly. to do. Yeah, exactly. They talk to people that are already Yeah, there. so we started out about eight years ago. Um, we built access to experience.com uh, and it's just kind of a cool platform to help teachers find more professionals to, to, to bring into their classroom. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. I wish I would have had more speakers like that, like in elementary school, if I could yeah, have heard definitely. like from a big engineer or something, that'd be awesome. Well, it kind of opens your brain to like, what else, right? It's very typical that most you know, kids know, you know, teacher, doctor, lawyer, dentist, and fireman. Exactly. I know those jobs, right? Like, I yeah. know those jobs. But like, yeah, when an it's architect true. comes in, when an engineer comes in, when an accountant comes in, you're like, oh, I didn't even know that kind of job existed. Yeah, and it kind of opens your mind to like, what else could be, right? So trying to get people to really understand what it is that they're passionate about and then like, oh, what's it going to take for me to kind of go down that path to move in that direction? Yeah, no, that's perfect. So would you say you're you're a big education guy, you're a big value on a college education and things like that? I do like college education. I think, uh, I, I think you know, there's a lot, dare I say, just college. There's so many great, you know, whether it's technical, you know, going to getting a technical degree um, for, a, a, you know, two-year technical degree. I think there's huge value in that. Let's be honest, four-year college degree isn't for everyone. Oh, um, and I think there's a lot of certificated things, whether you're going to be a teacher or you want to be a doctor or something like that. There's, there's, there's value in that. I also just believe that college can be kind of mind-opening and, like, you kind of grow up as a human being yeah, when yeah. you're off and living on your own and kind of doing that. So I'm a, I am a big fan of that. I don't put a huge – when I'm looking at a resume – I don't like want to know what the the GPA was. Okay, I'm yeah. not dying to know you know what the college was. Oh, it was it prestigious or not? I but to, to if you did graduate from college, I think there's just something to be said about you. Obviously, went through the rigor of making that happen. You had a lot of deadlines along the way that you were able to do mm, and you yeah. meet and, and and made it happen. And so I think there's value in that. Um, but I also think you know there's people that that don't go to college that still do amazing things. And there's I mean. The democratization of education right now is amazing, right? You can go online and there's so many places to learn and take courses and it's really, really amazing. And I think anybody uh, can learn from those things and then take that information and do really amazing things. Definitely, even I mean, if it's, it's not like four-year college. Or no, not at all. I mean, there's certain things where that's right for certain people and great, if that's you, go after it. But there's so many other things and, and, and the proliferation of, I mean, YouTube alone, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You think about what you can learn on YouTube now and then apply that to the real world and use that to online you know, selling or advertising or whatever. You can do a lot of amazing things and never have gone to college. Uh, and again, I'm not advocating to stop and not go to college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's yeah. huge value in that. But <laughs> but it, but I am now. impressed with how the world works these days and what you can learn out there, and then you know put it towards something. Yeah, so no, much cool. information out there. To yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, free stuff too. Like like you said, yeah. YouTube. Like there's totally. so many ways you can learn and books, anything like that. No doubt. Um, you said when you were younger, you always knew you either want to be like a CEO or like the owner. Did you know that you were gonna have, be like? as entrepreneurial and own all these businesses. Did you always think about that? I think, you know, entrepreneurship was always in the back of my brain. When I was 16 years old, I was mowing lawns for this guy. And 
you know, I remember vividly like thinking how I would totally do it differently. Well, I would have done, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. we don't even wear uniforms. I would have to at least <laughs> have some sort of a uniform that had like the company name on it. And, you know, I've never, you know, I, I, I don't know what you know, kind of business development he was doing, but I would have done X, Y, and Z. And so like, I was always kind of in that mindset. And so, and, and the funny thing was at 16, I didn't really know that that was entrepreneurship. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, we like, didn't really call it that or it yeah. wasn't, I don't know. It's a little like glamorous today to be an entrepreneur. I don't know if that was the case back then, but I didn't even realize that I had my own entrepreneurial thoughts like along the way. No joke. I was in college. I got a political science degree, right? So yeah. I'm a perfect example of like, yeah, I went to college and I learned a lot. And I learned how to write and I learned how to be analytical and that serve me but i'm not really putting my political science degree, degree to work right yeah. now but i remember being in like thinking like okay like maybe i need to switch over to business or marketing i remember asking my roommate like do you know the definition of marketing like i, I literally <laughs> you didn't 21 <laughs> years old 20 years old i couldn't have told you like the true definition of marketing at the time but never taken a marketing or a business class and it's so funny that that's really ultimately kind of where my where my you know endeavors went and kind of moved me into and, and really where my passion was, I realized that, oh my gosh, I loved this medium. I loved the internet as a medium to like connect with people. Mm-hmm. And then that's where I recognized, oh, you can be used for marketing. I started to understand marketing. I really liked how that worked. And like, that's really what I, so for me, following my own passions, it was really going headlong into the internet. And what was that? Just because I found it fascinating. I thought it was so cool. And then also just being entrepreneurial and, and wanting to be a manager and do that and, and, and kind of do my own thing. And so I, those are the two things that I really focused on. And then was, you know, it did it, like I said, a couple of times with, with some, you know, very small in the beginning. And then when Nick and I decided, okay, let's go headlong and, and make our first, you know, right, company yourself, in 20, yeah. 2004. Yeah. That's awesome. And then yeah. switching gears again, uh, when did you start Method in the Union? Yeah, so Nick and I, always being entrepreneurial, we're kind of always like bouncing ideas around like, what if we did this? What if we did that? We had these different ideas that we were constantly talking about. And so, um, I mean, we were, so we started in 7-2 in 2004 and then Method, uh, kind of our first, so 14-4 was 2007 and then Method was 2012. Oh, okay. So it was a little while, you know, eight years after that, that we were kind of kicking around some different ideas, traveling the country. Nick and I were eating super healthy because we were into health and fitness and all of that. And it was actually Nick who was like, hey, I think we should start like a juice bar. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's nuts. I'm like, I'm like, and we, he and I would go to juice bars and, and we were like juicing at home. But I'm like, why would we like, do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why? And, and I started to think about it. I'm like, yeah, that would be kind of sweet. And. Uh, Nick's always been really good about like um, having vision of like this is what Spokane needs or okay, if yeah, we had this in Spokane and he's always been super good I'm not really super good at that but he's been amazing at that and and he was right like Spokane needed a really good juice bar there was one in town and it was inside the Huckleberries uh, way up on the that? South Hill oh, uh, the, okay. the, the the grocery store the Huckleberries oh, yeah, store. Yeah. it was a great juice bar and and, and uh, it was it, it was inside there, but it was you know kind of away, and it was only on the South Hill. We wanted to put something downtown in the heart of the city, and so Nick had great vision for what that is, and I was like, well, that'd be cool. So that that's where that's where that originally came from. We did a business plan for it, did the you know pro forma financials, what was it going to take, all of that. And then the union was kind of the same way, out and about around the country. We saw um, Soul Cycle starting up. Okay, yeah, um, I heard of that. Nick was getting big into to yoga. Uh, he had gotten his teacher training in yoga, um, and he was like, "Hey, you know, I think we should start a yoga studio." And I'm not, I, I'm not a huge, uh, I'm not big into yoga myself. I believe yeah. in it. And I should probably do it way more than I do. But um, 
he was doing a lot of it and I was like, ah, I don't know. And he was like, he goes, what if we did yoga and spin, right? You know, two different studios yeah. in the same place. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big cyclist. I like to ride and all that. And so I was like, well, that would be, that would be pretty cool. And I'd gone to Soul Cycle um, down in LA and, and New York. And so I was like, all right, that, that, let's, that, that would be interesting. So again, we did a business plan, did the pro formas. Okay, this sounds like this could work out. I like it. And then, and again, it was something that wasn't prolific in Spokane. Yeah, yeah. And here, and so we were like, okay, that could be good for our city. I want to build that. That's cool. So again, Nick had great vision for what that was. And, and we were able to, to make that happen. Right. Even now, like I think, of any juice bars i only think of uh jamba juice and like no one i never hear anybody say hey let's go get some jamba juice and then spin studios too like the union i've I've, I've even heard of any other spin studios within spokane so that kind of makes sense yeah there's a couple a couple but we don't need to talk about yeah yeah irrelevant irrelevant no i'm sure sure they're great businesses yeah (laughs) yeah uh, how long did it take the businesses up and ready to go from the point you had the idea to actually getting the spaces um, you know, that, that it, it, I would say there was a good three, four months in there of planning, okay. of figuring things out. What's the offering going to be? What, you know, what, what, what's going to be our differentiator? What's going to set us apart? Uh, figuring all of that out, a lot of energy building the brand. Right. And like, what does that look like? Yeah. Finding the space. Um, you know, what was the right location? You know, and that, you know, there's a lot of energy that goes into that and ensuring that you've, you've got a good location. Uh, so that, you know, that was, that was tough. And I don't, you know, I don't know if we've always picked the best locations here and there. We've had, um, some interesting locations, um, but we've had wonderful, we had such a great offering that people would go to those locations yeah, and exactly. do it, which was really, uh, pretty awesome. And we've had such loyal, uh, wonderful community that like loved what we were doing, saw the vision and, and like bought into it and, and, and wanted to be a part of it. And so that's been really good for us, but yeah, I mean, but you know, usually there's three, four, six months of planning beforehand before opening the doors and kind of making it happen. Yeah, and then within those six months, how often were you guys th- like, were you guys thinking about it every day? Or were you talking about? Yeah, it? Yeah, um, I would say every day, right? So not only are we running seven two and doing all of that, right, yeah, and then kind of checking in with Jeff and what's going on at fourteen four and making sure that he's doing and 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 needs any help from us that we're there for him and, and making that happen. Um, so we were, you know, always always there. So. You know, thankfully Jeff is amazing and was doing. You know, we didn't have to do work too hard on that. But seven two was still kind of our main day job, so we were still busy with that. But still trying to carve out time to like focus on method, whether that was during the day or in the evenings or you know whatever to, to kind of keep that going. But yeah, it was constantly being sure that we were putting enough time aside to Not focus to on that to like yeah. okay we're really gonna make this happen we got to put enough energy in to make it go and and the way kind of our operating procedure ultimately went is nick kind of ran with method and union more than i did so he was really kind of took it on headlong of being kind of the head of those and and then he would just bring like things to me like hey tyler i need to talk through this with you or we're trying to make this decision i need your help on this or you know can you weigh in so he he really thankfully ran with those and did an amazing job of really kind of running with it uh where Ad and i kind of focused more on seven two and the operations of yeah that. that's good that's a good thing and, about and the then partnership. kind of it is it yeah. absolutely is and i can it truly does allow you to do more things and, and and make things happen so yeah i like that so, so in that pr- like six month process of you guys getting that up and running how did you advertise or know that when you did like it was going to take it off it was going to take yeah. off and people were going to buy into yeah it? right uh you never know that's <laughs> the scary part yeah. uh that's the you know that's the leap of faith that so many of us have to take 
Um, we had talked with a lot of people that the idea resonated. They're like, oh, that would be so great. Like, oh yeah, Spokane needs that. That would be so amazing. And so we kept getting this positive feedback that it was going to be there. And so, um, you know, we were, we just had the, again, back to the ego, uh, we're, we're, we can figure this out. We're going to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, where then when we did, you know, we made sure that we were on social and then we were letting everybody we know about it and we were kind of having events or driving people to it or whatever it took to like really kind of get enough of the word out to make that happen. Yeah. So it took a while. I mean, it really did. It, uh-huh. it just like anything, uh, it, it takes a while to kind of get that momentum going. And, and, and then again, you're constantly stoking that fire to keep it, to keep it going. But, um, yeah, it was, it's kind of scary in the beginning. Yeah, uh, sure. super scary. Yeah. And then now with like COVID and everything like that, how has that affected you guys? Cause there's been no way to keep the, yeah, it's been painful. It's been super bad. painful. So method, the juice bar was closed for a long period of time where we weren't doing anything and we tried to do some takeout initially and that wasn't great. Uh, we just weren't getting the volume that we needed to, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally now, thankfully we are, uh, we have an amazing oh, manager, mm-hmm. Alicia, uh, it's so, um, we've been open for a while. She's done an amazing job. We have an amazing employees who work really, really hard to, to bring this healthy food to people. And so that's, that's actually going well. It's fun to see method kind of thriving again. Um, and then the union, yeah, we, you know, you, uh, gym, close proximity, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We kind of had to close down. We did, we closed down completely. We tried to do some online stuff, try to keep our community up, try to keep people still interested. And, and thankfully, we were able to do some of that. One amazing manager named Christian, uh, she had done an amazing job of you know really keep the the community going, and and really great instructors as well. And that community is really strong. They they support each other well. So that that community was still kind of keeping going. Um, and then now we're looking at hopefully kind of getting back into the swing of things and trying yeah. to figure out like, okay, what does that look like? And kind of slowly get back going. Yeah. Again. So, the phases are. yeah so hopefully, we'll, yeah, as we follow the phases and all of that and get going, but I'm um, so excited to see that kind of come back as, as we get back into it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then switching gears again. So we, we talked earlier about your philanthropy, uh, prizes. And then, so I was wondering what's your favorite way to practice philanthropy? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, well, philanthropy, right? Like the, this, the root of the word, right, is the love of humans, so, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, and I believe in wholeheartedly that, like, you know, we collectively, the world, uh, everyone make the world go around. And by loving on humans of all types, all colors, all of that is incredibly important to having a thriving community. Um, and if, you know, if I've been fortunate enough to have some successes in my life, made a couple dollars, and I want to ensure that I'm doing everything I can to, to help the, the, my community, let alone the world. So um, some of the philanthropy that I'm a part of is, is here in Spokane, but it's also, I, we do some work in Africa and things like that. Oh, um, and so I just really believe that I want to support the community that supported me or even just the world that, that, that supported me. And so um, I'm trying to give back as much as I can to, you know, whether that's, and that, that can, comes in a lot of different ways. Um, it doesn't, and a lot of people just think, oh, it's giving money and that's certainly part of it, but it can be giving time. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So how am I volunteering or, and, and I volunteer in a few different ways. I'm on a, a number of boards where kind of my, I, I like to think my brain power is adding value to those nonprofits where I can help them with what they're yeah. doing and, and move that. So I'm on the board of an organization called Spokane Youth for Christ. We have a number of youth centers here in Spokane. Um, I'm on the board of an organization called Ignite Northwest, which helps uh, entrepreneurs in Spokane and kind of see um, high growth companies uh, start here in Spokane. So put some energies into that. Um, 
I'm on the board of an organization called the Anovia Foundation. It's a local community foundation here that um, gives away grants to local nonprofits and, and okay. things here trying to help. Uh, so they do some really beautiful work um, in the area, in our 20-county region, actually. Uh, and then uh, I'm on the board of an organization called Capable International, and it's helping um, men and women in Africa, in Uganda particularly, learn how to farm and That's to crazy. teach That's them awesome, farming right. practices and personal uh, finance practices and business finances and all that, and helping them there. So, you know, um, not only I try to give money to those organizations, um, but I also try to give my time and energy. And I just believe that, you know, uh, as goofy as it sounds, karma is a, a big deal to me. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, that we need to put good into the world. And I'm a spiritual guy, so, you know, it probably comes from my faith. And um, I believe that it's important to, to love on the world, to put, put, put goodness back in the world in an effort to kind of kind of have – all, see all people thrive. I think that's incredibly yeah, important. Definitely. What got that's you awesome. into those organizations specifically? How did you find those? And those are like ones I'll I have be involved. I with. definitely have you know relationships and connections with different people. Um, the one in Africa was actually some guys in Spokane that started a company. They're from Spokane, but they were in um, they were down in Southern California, and and I had been connected with them. Uh, and just kind of had done some mentoring and some work with them and they originally brought me on the board um, and just to, to kind of help them out and so you know it was just connections that I had made uh, locally you know the Inovia the the president of Inovia um, is a gal named Shelly O'Quinn and she and I had done some work together in Spokane and through some other stuff that she had done and she kind of had approached me and said hey I think you know your talents could add some value to the board I would you know would you be interested in doing that um, and so any of those, you know, really it was some sort of relationship where somebody came to me and said, hey, I, back to reputation. I, yeah, I like yeah, who you always. are. You, you know, I think you, you stand for these things and we, you know, we need more of that insight or about, you know, we needed that on our board or, or you know, volunteers or whatever. And so, you know, and I, I like to think that I wasn't just like, yeah, whatever, sign me up. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I try to be very diligent and, and, and do I align with what they're doing? Can I add value? Yeah. Right. Like is, is, is my efforts going to be worthwhile to the organization? you know i want to make sure that i'm not just like you know some figurehead like yeah yeah, yeah. put my name on you know on, on on your website and that i don't want to that that doesn't isn't important to me i want to like make sure that i can truly contribute and, mm -hmm. and do that and so i just try to be conscious of that and i also try to make sure that i'm not doing too many i just listed a lot of things but i've also tried to pare down some you know i've gotten out of some other things because i want to be diligent about the, the work the that i am that doing are, yeah. that i can put the most energy towards and, and add value yeah That's i like that and then, so switch topics from last time. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about your book. Yeah. More like you. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. About? Be what's more like you, right? So uh, the title is really this idea that there are, be more like you. There are, there are things innately within you as a human being that are, you are who you are. And, and, and if you really, truly kind of live into those things, you will find fulfillment and happiness and purpose. But a lot of us don't we're not introspective. We tend to just, like I said, doctor, fireman, lawyer, whatever, you know, we know about these few other things and we're just like, well, I guess I'll go do one of those. Yeah. You know, it's like, but if you stop, if you take time, you look inward, what am I truly passionate about? What do I care about? And what am I, you know? And so I was doing this presentation for, for a lot of um, college kids and it was the, the presentation was called what I wish someone had told me. And it was kind of this like these, hey, here's some things I want to impart on you, some things I've learned along the way that I think you'll find value in. And a lot of it was, you know, how do you, what does it look like to follow your passion? What does it look like, um, you know, to, to, to lead a fulfilling life? And I tried to like kind of share some of these things. And so, you know, I thought, 
man, I should like, maybe there's value in putting this into a book. I kind of see this in a certain way. Um, I'm a huge fan of, and I believe that like, instead of going and just going after and looking at a job type, like a accountant, lawyer, doctor, whatever, like go look at an industry okay. that you're passionate yeah, about yeah. and an industry that you care about. Right. So I use the example and the book uses the example of, uh, uh, of basketball. So a lot of people look at basketball and they think, well, I'm never going to be, you know, a LeBron James. I'm, you know, so if they, when we think about an industry, we think about who's at the top. We think about the very pinnacle of the people who, who, you know, who've made it, whether it's music and you think of, you know, like your favorite artist, right? You, well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm probably not ever going to get paid to sing or whatever. And so we stop. The dream stops there. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I can never do that. Well, no, there's, there's something innately in you that got you excited about basketball, got you excited about music, got you excited about snowboarding, whatever it might be. There's something that, that you know, there's a reason why you love that. And, mm-hmm. and, and so if you actually stop and look at that industry as a whole and you start to look at what are the jobs within that industry, like then you could actually work in an industry that you're passionate about and that you get to wake up every single day, go to work, love that Have job. Fun, yeah. And how cool is that versus like, well, I just kind of settled to be in insurance over here or uh, settled to do that. Like, wait a minute. Like, and I think if we, so the book is really about, I built um, kind of this framework called the ideas framework. And it's a introspection, design, um, exploration, adaptability, and service. And, and I break down each one of these phases that if you start to actually look at them and, and it's kind of a, a, it helps you start to figure out like what I want to do with my life, right? right. So that's kind yeah. of the ultimate question that I'm hoping the book can help people answer because we all face that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And what I want to do is I want to inspire people to, to truly look inside of themselves, to be more like them and to understand what it is that they're truly passionate about and then try to go after that. And what does that look like to unpack that? And I try to give some very prescriptive ways. If you follow this framework, uh, hopefully you'll uncover these kind of things. You'll start to figure out like what it is you truly are passionate about. And then you'll start to figure out, well, how do I go about it, right? So how do I start doing informational interviews? How do mm-hmm. I start doing job shadows? How do I start doing um, internships? And I really give a prescriptive approach about what that looks like and how do you go about that. And it's written in a story form of this kid named Rory who's trying to figure this out and he has this mentor that he goes and meets with and she helps him kind of unpack that and she helps him work through the ideas framework and what that is. That's super cool. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there a a release date for the book? (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost done. I'm so close. Uh, I think within uh, within a couple months, I think we'll actually have it up uh, on Amazon. So watch for that. And then I think we're going to do our own podcast where we interview some people that have done those very things, right? That have followed their passions and that are living those out in life and and trying to give some people some inspiration on what it looks like to do that for themselves. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have nerves? Like, did you ever think, oh, where am I even going to start? Like, is this a dream you've always had? Uh, Absolutely. Right? Like, well, you know, it's writing a book is this is my first book I've ever written. Uh, it's a creative process, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever you do have any sort of creative process, whether it's starting a podcast or anything like that, you're putting yourself out there, right? Yeah. Like yeah. To, to be judged, oh, right? Totally. Yeah, that's... judged by your peers, to uh-huh. judge by people you don't know, and that's scary. Yeah. I mean, that's when you probably when you guys were thinking about doing this, like ah, that's cool, but like, what if people hate it? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, a, yeah. you know, that's junk, and so that scares me all the time. I I definitely have those fears, but again, the growth mindset. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna learn from that. I think I I, I want to do the creative process. I want to put it out there. I want to learn from that, and so um, it's for me. You know, it's it's overcoming those fears. It's 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 putting myself out there, taking that feedback, and I don't know. It's gonna be an interesting journey. I, I, I'm yeah, I'm totally scared that people are gonna be like, oh, 
wow, whatever was in your head is not what is uh, on, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. on these pages. Uh, I hope that there's some similarity there because I think there's valuable content. It sounds like the presentations I've given people have really you know resonated with, but um, I don't. It's scary there's to think. There's always that in the back of your head. Yeah. You so know, I, it. you know, if I can, you know, if I can add a little bit of value, if I can help a little bit of people along the way, kind of solve some of this problem that plagues us all. You know, what do I want to do with my life? I think that'd be awesome, you yeah. know, and, and, and hopefully I think this, my approach is going to resonate with some people and it's not going to resonate with others. And I need to be okay with that. I'm not trying to solve all the world's problems. It's, it's every person who reads, it's not gonna be like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's just not gonna be the case. And that's okay. I need to be okay with that. And I am okay with that. So, um, you know, hopefully it adds just a little bit of value out there and some people can use it. Uh, for yeah, good. Totally. yeah, definitely. And then within the book or just in general, are there any times where you find yourself kind of lacking passion or like confused like maybe I shouldn't have done this maybe I could just like you know anything like that yeah yeah I think that happens all the time and I think that we go through we ebb and flow in life in terms of what it is that we're excited about or passionate about or you know, having done 7-2 for 16 years has definitely had its ups and downs um but at the same time, I think, you, you know, looking at every single endeavor that you're into, recognizing that life truly is short and that you, you know, that you, you need to be okay with potentially pivoting and changing, mm -hmm. right? I think that's the other thing, right? And the, the book I try to talk a lot about this is we think that there's this perfect path. And that the real, like that we're even trying to figure out what this path is. And that if we can find this perfect path, then we're going to have this success and everything's going to be awesome and okay. Yeah. That's really a, a, a myth. Uh, the truth is that path is really windy. Yeah. And along that path, you're going to learn a lot of things about yourself, good and bad along the way. And I think it's okay to move and pivot. And I thought I was passionate about this, but it turns out I'm not. And to give yourself grace to be like, okay, then I am going to lean into this thing over yeah, here. Yeah. Or that I'm giving myself time to learn or, you know, the, what that looks like. And, and maybe it takes me 20, 30 years to learn. That's okay. I mean, I didn't start my first company until 29. And that's when I think I truly knew what I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. you know? And people might say, well, geez, you, you didn't, you know, up until 29. What, what was going on? Well, I was learning. Yeah, yeah, I was learning exactly. about myself. I was learning about the industry. I was learning. So again, having that growth mindset. And so I think that's incredibly important. Doubt creeps in, but you have to ask yourself, what's my long term here? What do I care about? And and maybe, you know, be honest with yourself and should I pivot? Should I do something else? Is it okay? And, and I think the answer is yes. I think it is okay to give yourself that grace to do that. So um, yeah, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's, no, that's yeah. awesome. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then lastly, what is Strategy Labs and what do they do? Yeah, so Strategy Labs, um, there's an amazing guy named Ramsey Prufnik. He's a, just a brilliant mind. And he had started this agency and was helping some of some people that we knew. Um, and uh, people were like, you need to get to know this guy. He's brilliant. He's doing good stuff. And so we went to him and, um, and, and said, Hey, well, so let me explain. Strategy Lab is a media buying company, media strategy. So they buy and place and um, ads on Facebook and Instagram and okay, Google okay. and things like that. And so they're helping drive e-commerce sales for companies. They're helping do um, lead generation for companies. And so Ramsey just had a really unique and, and uh, approach to how we went about that. And we saw him having great successes for some friends of ours. And people were like, you need to meet this guy. So we did. And and as we started to talk more, we're like, gosh, I really think kind of 
Nick's and my 16 years of experience and stuff we had done could really add value to what you're doing and kind of be some gasoline behind this amazing approach that you had had. And he kind of agreed. And so we came together uh, and and really Nick and I were just, again, a little bit more of an accelerant on what he had already kind of got going. He had had a day job at the time that wasn't that. So he kind of was doing this agency thing on the side and Nick and I put in some capital that allowed him to be able to do it full time. Yeah, and really, awesome. So he's the president. He runs it. He's one of the partners in it. Um, and we're able to, the three of us, uh, to, you know, grow it and do some really cool things. You know, uh, we, you know, tapping into our network, uh, right, yeah, building, you, you know, for business that. development and stuff like that. You know, he runs the place and does an amazing job. There's uh, just really smart people that work there and they're doing really cool work uh, in Spokane and actually kind of all over the country as well. So they're, yeah, they're a, they're a media buying company doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, that's super cool. All yeah. right, well. That's it for my question, Jerry. you have anything else? I think lastly, the last thing I want to ask is just if you could go back and tell your younger self, whether it's middle school, high school, college, one thing to change, what would it be? I think it uh, it would be to be patient that good things were coming. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't know about you guys, but I was always like, you know, I couldn't wait for what's next. Yeah, yeah. And what what's next? And I always believed that whatever was next was going to be the great thing. And yeah. like, and I had to like kind of stop and be patient and, and like be okay with what was, and to know that like this moment, what I was doing now was okay. I'm learning. I'm figuring things out. And to stop always like caring about like, well, you know, for me it was like, well. When I'm in junior high, high school is going to be amazing. When I'm in high school, college is going to be amazing. When I was in college, I can't wait to get to the real world. Uh And I think we do that to ourselves and you kind of self-sabotage, right? But if you can just live into today and make today awesome, you will then put down the path that to get to making tomorrow awesome, right? And so it's just making the most of today. And I don't think I had that mindset. And so... Um, I try to live that everything today. Even you know now it's like oh someday I'm gonna be retired. I'm gonna be golfing <laughs> yeah, every you're day. Still thinking about and it. I, you yeah. know, and it's like no, I gotta like make today amazing and do everything I can to to make the most of it, to enjoy it, to to be grateful for it, to to just you know really kind of live into today and then know that like I am also building the framework for tomorrow. But like just make today awesome. Yeah, and so I like that. I yeah, agree that's awesome. Even Jerry and I were talking about this the other day. We were talking like our high school basketball memories and how much we loved it. And I was just thinking like, I wish I would have cherished that more in the moment because now that's what I'm thinking about. But in high school, I was like, man, I can't wait to get to college. It's going to be so fun. And now that I'm here, I'm like, Maybe it's not all it's cracked up to yeah, be. Yeah. I'm like, I missed that. That was more fun. Uh, let's blame COVID for that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's true though, right? Like I think sadly we um, we do that to ourselves. And it's a little bit of self-sabotage. And then, you know, then if you really think about living a life that way, then it's constantly just what's next, mm-hmm. right? And that's exactly. there's nothing fun about that. Yeah. So you know, really make the most of today and get excited about that. And I, I think having that grateful heart for, okay, wow, I, I actually am pretty lucky. I am pretty fortunate. There are good things here. Like, you know, and, and being remembering that and then, you know, tomorrow will take care of itself. Yeah, that's awesome. I like it. Yeah, I think I like that's that a good, good message to leave off on. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. Yeah, yeah I'm awesome. excited to be here. It was good to chat with you guys. Yeah. Thank awesome. you so much. Good to have you. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of the podcast with Tyler Lafferty. We were super stoked to have him. A ton of good takeaways from it. We learned a lot. We hope you guys did too. Really appreciate him coming out here today and we can't wait for our next episode with you guys. Definitely. Don't forget to share the episodes and uh, follow us on Instagram at officialcreategreat. We can't thank you guys enough for all the support we've been getting. It's It's been awesome and we just can't wait for the next episode.